your focus in life. This is something more and more I'm realizing that where we, what we focus on is going to determine in a large degree the results of all of our lives. And this is like the single skill that we can that we can master, that we can start to know how to prioritize our time, learn to what to say yes to and what to say no to, learn how to make these decisions and exercise the free will and the God-given right to choose that God has given us. And there's a lot of uh, confusion about this and there's a lot of conflicting priorities. It seems like there's always much to do and not enough time to do it. And so this has been a question on many's on how we can prioritize our focus in life. So we're going to be diving deep into this. We're going to be looking at this. And um, I encourage you to share, bring your questions. Um, and we will, um, we're going to try to address these. So first of all, when looking at our focus, um, I want to start by asking the question, uh, what do you guys see is your number one greatest challenge in Uh, knowing how to prioritize your life, what to focus on, what to say yes to, and what to say no to. Go ahead. When. When When what? focus on something. When to focus on something. It's kind of hard for me, like, if I'm focusing on something, to, like, stop it and go to the next project. And then if I'm doing that, then sometimes the projects fall through. Don't get done. So, so if you, you switch, switch to the project, project then, then you find that things start, start to fall, fall through the cracks? If I, if I don't switch to the projects, then I don't get to the one that, I'm, that I didn't do. Or if I do go to the project, then the one that I worked on, I don't go back to it. Yeah. So it's kind of both ways. Okay. Well, who else would like to share? What is the number one biggest challenge you're facing in knowing how to prioritize? I think my biggest challenge would be thinking that they're all important, so which is the most yeah. important is where I, I'm challenged with. The urgent and the important. That's yeah. my biggest problem because I tend to go towards all the urgent things. Yeah, I, and, and it's common for men, most leaders. We gravitate to, to the things that are urgent, that have deadlines, that are um, coming up soon, and that's where our mind goes to. So. Uh, that makes sense. Well, let's um, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 25. We're going to be looking at the secret of mastery. And this is whether you want to master your time, you want to master a, your craft, a skill, you want to master your emotions, master your morning, whatever it is that you're seeking to master in this life. Maybe it's mastering your appetite. This is the secret that God has given to us. The one thing that we can do that will help us to experience that true mastery in life. Who would like to read? Yes, 1 Corinthians 9.25. Who would like to read this for us? Go ahead. Okay, so it says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Yes, so what we're looking at here is... um, what, what was the secret to mastery? Temperance. Yes, temperance. Uh, te- being temperate in how many things? All things. All things. So, um, I would submit to you that the definition of temperance is true temperance teaches us to say, yet, to say no 
entirely to those things that are harmful and to say yes to those things that are good. Now, temperance, I believe, as a principle, is a higher, on a higher level, uh, temperance doesn't just apply to what we eat or alcohol or smoking or things of that nature, but um, can we be temperate in, um, in seeing? Can we be temperate in sleeping? Can we be temperate in, in working? Can we be temperate in, in serving or even in doing good things? Can we do something good at excess and it makes it intemperate? Yes. Can we even pray too much? Yes. Those who do nothing but pray will soon cease to pray. We need to cooperate with our prayers. We need to study and pray and, and work and serve for others. Um, so can we be intemperate in new learnings? Yes. Yes. A lot of times we overwhelm our mind with a bunch of just-in-case information and it paralyzes us because a confused mind is a paralyzed mind and then we, uh, we're not sure what to focus on because we got all this information overwhelmed in our mind not knowing what to do and we're frozen. So yeah, we, uh, we like prioritizing, we're looking at just-in-time learning versus just-in-case learning. So what I want to do is anytime that we're learning something new, uh, all learning has its foundation where we're able to take the subject like prioritizing our focus. Um, and what you want to do is you want to take something new and attach it to something you already know. Once you can learn to associate new ideas with old ideas, then it can become concrete and integrated into your life and your thoughts and your belief patterns. So I'm going to make a list of these watchwords, these these words that are similar to each other so that way we understand what is another name for prioritizing is temperance so now anywhere um, is temperance t-e-r okay. uh, anywhere you see the word temperate or temperance you know that this is talking about prioritizing um, and I'll say just in time as well this is just in time learning just in time action just in time is what we're looking at prioritizing um, so that's that, that is true um, one one fallacy is that that all things are high priority that everything is a priority but um, the truth is it like a lot of times people are saying like I don't have time for um, I don't have time to do the things that I want to do but the in reality we all have been given 24 hours in a day. You have time for what you make time for. And um, when someone says that they don't have time, what they're really telling me is they don't have priorities. And by nature of prioritizing, if you say that everything is a priority to you, that means nothing is a priority to you. If you prioritize everything, it means you prioritize nothing because you have to have some, of, of difference. some difference there. One thing that I found was really helpful is I like to ask myself uh, when trying to determine priorities is uh, think of priority not as a, um, think of it more as a sliding scale rather than a toggle switch, whether it is or is not a priority. Think of it on degrees of priority, which on a scale from one to 10, when you're looking at say a list of things that you have to accomplish or the list of opportunities that you can that you can act upon uh, think on a scale from one to ten how important is it to you some of them 
um, are going to be greater importance than others. And we can see uh, high achievers prioritize differently um, than most. Let's go to Luke 14. Luke chapter 14. And I would like to ask for a volunteer to read. Yes, 14 and verse 28. Uh, how, how do the most productive people, um, those who are making the greatest impact in the world and even the, the greater income in the world, they, they prioritize things a little differently. Uh, go ahead, you can read this for us. Verse 27. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Verse 28. You're right. Intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. So, before, when we're looking at intending to build a tower, that tower could be any opportunity. You have an opportunity to build a house. What are you going to build? God has created us in His image. Like, we are, like, designed by God to be creative in nature that we have this innate drive to build, to create, to contribute, to do something, whether it, we all are artists in our own, like we each have an art, whether that art is cooking or whether that art is, is communicating, whether that art is designing or editing or, or the art is through writing or whatever the, your art is, um, that is like a tower that you're going to build. But, and, and, and as the... Uh, the person designs, uh, the architect builds the house. I was reading the book Child Guidance and it was saying there's so much, there's much truth in that sterling, in that valuable saying that says, every man is the architect of his own future. When you think of that, your life is like a building and you're the architect and you're designing this life and how are you going to do that? The first thing that we have to do is sit down and what? Count the cost. That's interesting. So we have to look at the expense. What Do we have the expenses? Do we have the time? We have to evaluate our resources that are available. And based on our resources that we have or could have is something we have to factor in with our priorities. And we have to be honest with our priorities. A lot of times we struggle because we say yes to new things without counting the cost of our prior commitments. Here's a question that you can ask yourself. Whenever evaluating a new opportunity, ask, in light of blank or like a prior commitment, would it be wise to take on this uh, new opportunity? So, in other words, it would be like, um, in light of... Um, yeah, in light of, so every month we go live and we, and we train uh, and we teach new concepts how to find direction from God. So every month, the last month, the second month of, of each, the second week of each month, it's a busy, it's like our busiest month of, of the week. And so we can ask, in light of the upcoming events, would it be wise to take on new projects or new assignments or new things? So they help you to prioritize when you look at prior commitments. But a lot of challenges that we face is we say yes to everything 
and we say yes to people, we say yes to more, more responsibility without think counting the cost and seeing, well, would it be in light of our prior commitments, would it be wise to take on this new commitment? I see one hand here and then we'll go over here. Um, and a lot of times the reason why people do that is because they don't really know, um, they're trying to be everything to everyone. And on, in all reality, it's showing the weak individuality. It is. It is. Um, know that. Weaker individuality. So what we need to do, a lot of prioritizing has to do with having a greater knowledge of yourself. Is one of the greatest blessings we can have, is to know what do you really value. Because what you value, you tend to find time for. And what you value, you t find time for, what you prioritize. And uh, knowing who you are and who you're not, th these are very important um, in evaluating opportunities. Yes? When you're in a situation like that, is value or evaluate, prioritize on if what you're trying to do for everybody, because you could only do one thing, and if you can only do one thing, then um, you're saying no to everything else, and, and you want to um, prioritize why you're saying yes to that one person who's asking you something you don't want to hurt their feelings or whatever. Yeah, because I know that's a hard place to be in. It's very true. Yeah. Yes. Well, <clears throat> if you don't hurt their feelings in the beginning, you may end up hurting their feelings in the end if you're unable to fulfill on the thing that you said you would do because you were unable to prioritize. And so, um, uh, one of the principles that I've learned is that we can do all things, but just not all things at one time. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of scheduling. It's a matter of, of making, uh, you know, prioritizing your time. So, you know, you'll have you can have time to do it, but you may not have the time to do it now because of a commitment. That's, That's so true. true. You know. What season of life are you in? Yeah, Ecclesiastes three one. I see your hand. Ecclesiastes three one. It says, "To everything there is a." a season and a time for every purpose under the heavens it was so encouraging when i realized that you can do all things in their season so depending on what season of life are you in right now what commitments do you currently have what opportunities do you have what resources do you have and what season you can do all things but sometimes we're going to have to uh, say no now but no doesn't always mean never. Many times no means not right now. So this is another, this is another watchword for prioritizing is really truly prioritizing is learning to, uh, uh, is saying no very strongly. And it's saying no to everything and yes to one thing at a time. Mom, you want to say something? There's a quote that says, you can please some of the people all of the time. You can please all of the people some of the time, but you can't please all of the people all of the time. And so, so when you're trying to please everybody, that's not possible. It's true because pleasing people... Um, everybody has different ideas for what they want for your time, want the demands that they have for your attention, for your, um, your efforts, your energy, your resources. And a lot of people, they have competing priorities for your life. 
there could be two people that you really respect and love, but they totally disagree with what your what their plan is for your life. But the real question we have to ask um, is when we go, we can go over to Galatians chapter six and verse one. I mean, chap. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter one, and we can see in verse um, ten. Galatians one ten. I, I see you are unmuted. I'll, I'll call on you next, Sister Diana. Galatians 1.10. Can I get a volunteer to read this for us? Go, go ahead. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So if we're trying to please men... This is something why we struggle with saying no, because we want to be people pleasers. And the question is like, if we are, are we trying to please men or please God? A lot of times to please man is to displease God. And we do not want the displeasure of God. If you're really saying yes to all of men's demands, even at the expense of God, God's calling on your life, what you're really saying is, I value the pleasure of man above the pleasure of God. So this is why your individuality is in, important here, to recognize your identity in Christ and what really matters most to you. If what matters most to you is doing what God wants you to do, then it's important to develop this, this muscle of saying no. Saying no is like a muscle that you, through exercise you can get stronger. Uh, Sister Diana, would you like to share something? I see you're unmuted. Is the speaker turned on? She's been unmuted since she came on. Okay. Well then, um, sure, I'm trying to get to a point too. Oh, I, I just want to say that people who have difficulty saying no at the beginning, if they take somebody with them to let, just to have them next to them, not to say anything, but for you to say no to somebody. It'll, it'll be easier the next time, each time. It's true. Jesus said in Matthew 18, uh, when you have aught with a brother or there's some sort of difficulty, then, um, uh, Brother Carmen, can we mute Diana uh, since she has some background noise? But when you have difficulty with an individual, you want to go to them first, but if that's like not working and it's kind of difficult, then you bring a second or, or a third witness. You bring someone else with you, and then um, it, it's oftentimes resolved just with that process where you're not alone, um, and, it, and it can be very helpful. So going back to Luke 14, what does that mean to count the cost? What is the cost in the context of, of this... Um, uh, Luke 14, Luke 14, and and we could see in verse 20, 20, um, 7, Luke 14, 27, what is, uh, what is Christ saying here? That you have to bear your cross, otherwise you can't, can you get a volunteer to read? read? I think both of them raise their hand. I don't think Kathy did. No, because I... Yeah, she's, she was, it says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So Christ is actually saying, in connection of building a tower 
or mastering your craft, your art, or designing or architecting this, uh, this decision that you're making, he's saying connected with counting the cost is, is what? The cross. And what is the cross a symbol of? Yes. Sacrifice. So what we're looking at is an, another word for prioritizing is sacrifice. Mm. When you prioritize something, what you're really doing is sacrificing everything else that you might gain whatever your priority is. So the question, a, a focusing question that helps me to prioritize often is recognizing that one, I cannot do all things at all times. So I ask, what am I willing to sacrifice now so that I could do more abundantly in the future? What am I willing to sacrifice now so I could do more abundantly in the future? That includes, I'll give you an example. A lot of times when I'm trying to put together systems or habits or, or like for instance, I was trying to put together an evening routine and and this evening, during this block of time, before I go to bed, I wanted to ha be systematic. I wanted to know or do certain things consistently every day. These micro victories, micro steps that are going to, to reach towards the long-term vision and help me incrementally uh, move towards the priorities in my life because I didn't have a system for that. I didn't have any evening routine but, or morning routine. I realized that that was a struggle. So what I did in order to make that happen. Now that's like one of the highlights of my day. But what I had to do is I asked, what am I willing to sacrifice now so I can do more abundantly in the future? I have a system that in the evening, if, if that's when I want the system to be doing, like what I want to be doing is a routine, but I don't have a routine. But my day is so busy and, and intense that when am I going to prioritize the time to uh, put together an evening routine? I don't know, but I need something consistently to just make incremental advancements towards it. So I associate in my mind the time that I otherwise would want to be doing a routine. I'm going to use that time for creating the system that I will sacrifice my evening routine that's not created yet now so that I can create it and therefore have evening routines more abundantly in the future. Does that make sense? I really hope you're, you're getting this. If there's a system that you want, designate the time where you'd want to be doing that thing. Be willing to sacrifice it temporarily. And if you think like, hey, I haven't been doing it in the past. So what sacrifice are you really making? It's just a desire right now. And the only way to get that is to put in the work, create the system and then automate that. So when it's automated and it's a habit, then you don't have to actively think about this. It's not taking any more of your focus. You know, when I wanted to go visiting people yeah. <laughs> and you were encouraging me to like write down because I wanted to do more of it, but it was not systematic at all. It was just sometimes and a lot of times we didn't even do it because, you know, taking initiative and that kind of stuff. But then when I finally just like put down the system or like wrote some things down, it's just, it's easier, but I had to like sacrifice the time when I wanted to go. Yeah, yeah, like Friday, Friday night, night we, we wanted to have family worship with some, some local uh, people in the community. And, and Tina was like, I really want to be visiting people. 
and but there's just no time during the week to prioritizing that so then it's like what are you willing to sacrifice now so you can do more abundantly in the future and that that was a struggle at first but she decided she's like okay eventually she sat down Friday evening the time when she'd want to be having family worship with others She's like, she sacrificed the visiting so that she could create a system for visiting. Made a list of every, she visualized who she could uh, visit. She prioritized who she would visit. And she organized on her calendar the people that we would visit. And in that process, she, now we're able to do far more abundantly visiting uh, because of the effort that she put in for doing that. But that was the initial sacrifice so she could do her desire more abundantly in the future. So. I really want you to see when we're talking about sacrificing for Christ, we're really talking about priority management. You have all the time in the world that you need. You have, like, like we can actually see this in, in Matthew chapter 6. Where was it? John 6? Um, let, me, let me find this. It's uh, John, uh, yeah, Matthew 6. 43. 43. Matthew 6. No, that was Mark. I was I clicked on Mark, but it's John six twelve. Sorry, I know I'm I'm all over the place, but we'll get here. John six twelve. I'll write it on the board so it's less confusing. John six twelve. This is a powerful verse. This is a miracle. You want God to work a miracle in in your time, in the in your priorities. You want God to be able to multiply exponentially. Your, your priority, your productivity, what you're able to do for the Lord? Amen. Kathy, are you there? I am. Would you like to read verse 11 through 12? 11 through 12, yes. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they were. Now this, this is Jesus feeding the 5,000. Go ahead. When they were filled, he said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. And verse 13. 13? Yes, please. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. So Jesus just fed 5,000 people, not counting women and children, with, with what? Five loaves, and, uh, Five loaves two fish. and two fish. See, when we're looking at about our time, man's mathematics is 5 plus 2 equals 7, but God's mathematics is 5 plus 2 fed 5,000. So when you're, under, when you're trying to find, like, how do I find the time for these things that I want to do? The secret is in gathering up the fragments that nothing be lost. And after, after feeding 5,000 and gathering the fragments, he was able to have 12 baskets of fragments left over. This is what you're going to find. If you want an abundance of time to do the things that matter most to you, then you need to gather the fragments of time. Be intentional with working in the pockets of your time, your priorities. Prioritizing what matters most in these pockets and maximizing the resource of time. Is time a resource? Definitely. Amen. Yes. One of the most important. One of the most important. 
a lot of times we, we say like, like, I don't have enough time or like, I need to develop this time management. I need to learn how to manage my time better. But time cannot be managed. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. We're all given 24 hours in a day. This is one gift and talent that is given uh, to everyone equally. Why is it that some people are able to accomplish the heights of building uh, or being like presidents of the United States or building billion dollar businesses or, or reaching hundreds of thousands or millions of people for Christ versus those who um, stay in, or like disappear into insignificance? What makes the difference between what they can accomplish? It's how they prioritized their time. All time management is really priority management. The most valuable resource cannot be managed. It can only be prioritized. So your life work, the ultimate results, the outcomes of the end of your life is going to be the culmination of everything you prioritize on a day-to-day. Think about, think about this like your, your year. Your year is, uh, is comprised of your priorities for the quarter. And what you prioritize for the quarter is, and the outcomes and the blessings and the, the advancements is the results of what you prioritize for the months. And the months is what you prioritize for the weeks. What was your three priorities for the week? And then the weeks is what you prioritize for the days. And the days are made up of these hours. And you, uh, and these hours are made up of these fragments we call moments and each moment if every moment was rightly employed and valued we would have all the time necessary for the world for ourselves our family the cause of God the marketplace we would be able to have an abundance of time just as Jesus had an abundance of fragments in those 12 baskets but it's the let only these golden moments be valued and and spared and this is where we'll be able to do it. But it's by managing our priority for this moment. Yes? And if we mismanage it, then we don't have all the time for all the things that you just mentioned. That's, That's absolutely, absolutely true. true. And this goes along with my favorite, uh, my favorite verse in, in, all the script, in all the Bible. Luke 16, 10. He that is faithful in the moments of time that are least will be faithful also in much your years and your, your decades, your, your quarters, your months, if we could be faithful in that which is least, we'll be faithful also much. If we're unfaithful in that which is least, we'll be unfaithful in that which is in, in much. So um, faithfulness is a key for prioritizing, but it comes with counting the cost and knowing what to sacrifice. Now, going back on this sacrifice, um, the people who accomplish much, they're making decisions based on higher consequences. This is a powerful framework for you to govern your focus. You look at the higher consequences. Now, what does that mean? A lot of times we prioritize our time and make decisions based on things that are of little to no consequence, whether they get done or they don't get done. Like who's going to be impacted like what eternal value is this going to have or what, uh, what relational value is this going to bring or what is, 
what, what is going to, what happens if it doesn't get done? And we could see like some of these things are of little to no consequence. Often we find ourselves majoring in minor things. What we need to learn is how to major in major things. And by asking higher consequences, what has the greatest consequence if it is neglected? What has a greater consequence if it is not done? And those are the things that should shift our priorities. Does that make sense? What are the things that only you can do? Where do you bring the most value to your family, to the cause of God, to your team, to the organization? What are the things that God has uniquely gifted you to do in the bigger picture? And it's these consequences that will help. And um, I would submit to you that some of the greatest consequences um, of our lives are how we use our minds, how we govern our thoughts, how we use our imagination, whether we, uh, the beliefs that we have or we don't have are some of the greatest consequences because a limiting belief could limit all of your tomorrows, all of your moments based on a scarcity mindset. But when God, when Jesus said in, I believe it's John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and that you might have life more, what? abundantly God operates on this law of abundance abundance in mercy abundance in possibilities we live in a world of outrageous abundance God is abundant in resources there's no limit to what he can do through you when you dedicate yourself to Christ's service day by day did you want to say something no no sorry I was thinking it's okay um, so, what we allow ourselves to focus on, focus is another watchword for prioritizing. What are you focusing on right now? Are you focusing on the, 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 the snark comment that someone made uh, to your post or maybe in your household? Or are you focusing on uh, how someone mistreated you? Are you focusing on the wrongs that were done to you? harboring unforgiveness towards people what are you focusing on these are this is the greatest this is going to be the result of our life work is um, this is how our life work is is defined is what our focus has been moment by moment and it's the consequences when we ask when we take on a new responsibility we have to ask okay Anytime that we say yes to anything, that means there's something we're saying no to. Be because, yeah, an infinite number of things we're saying no to. The very nature of time is time doesn't flex. Time, time is fixed. So if you commit at one time, like here, you're committed to this time. Like we're here. You're, you're viewing this online. And if you like it, I encourage you to subscribe so you can get more of these in the future. But we're here present and um, if we make this commitment we're saying no to all these things there's a lot of things you could be doing so first of all thank you but second we have to um, recognize what what are we saying no to when a new opportunity comes if i say yes to this what am i saying no to what prior commitments can are going to be left undone and what we have to look at is 
not as much about saying yes or no. How do I say this? We live much of our life trying to avoid saying no as much as we can, and we're afraid to say no to people. But by saying yes, we are saying no. There's a cost. We have to count the cost of yes. The cost of yes is saying no to an infinity things because time is fixed. So if you live your life trying to avoid saying no, you're, that, you're bound to fail. It's not going to work. So train our br- ma- mind in this. This is a habit. This is a habit of high performers is they are asking, like Jesus said, this is a, ha- a Christ-like habit of asking, counting the cost. What is, at what expense will this cost me in order to do this? Um, what expense is this going to cost the cause of God? My service, my contribution. Is this, what does this look like? Yes. Something better is a watchword. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Thank, Thank you. you. Something Some... better. Um, and, and that goes along with higher consequences. The higher the consequence, the better it is. God oftentimes, he, um, well actually, let's go to Romans, well Romans 12 um, gives this principle in Romans 12, 21. Well, at such a young age, too. Why are you thankful you're learning these things? Because I always had a really, 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 really hard time saying no. Yeah. yeah. Even, even to, to the, the point, point where you're like at the restaurant and you'd see the menu <laughs> and be like, oh, I don't even know what to choose because you have to say no to a bunch of options and. Like, I remember that too, being stressed out at McDonald's as a kid, be like, oh man, what am I going to do? It makes decisions so much easier because like, now, now you're like, okay, if, if I go here, this is what I'm going to miss out on, but like, what are the pros and cons? What are like, and then you just make your decision based off of that. It's and you don't look back. Yeah. You, you surrender to the Lord and you let the results be to God. You just so, you make the decision, you evaluate the cost and what's really powerful is once you you take you analyze the possibilities the consequences and the blessings then you are able to realize okay i recognize these are the potential consequences and risks these are the potential blessings and upside and i'm still going to make my decision in light of these other commitments this is uh or possibilities like and then you could commit to your answer and and uh your decision and 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 then allow, allow God's providence to indicate otherwise. Romans 12.21, who would like to read this for us? Go ahead, Mom. It says, um, Being not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. I am even... So, so God doesn't just want us to take away the bad. He wants us to replace the bad with something good. And I'd even submit to you that the greatest enemy of best is good and with temperance is a lot of time with temperance is to saying no to all things harmful and evil and saying yes moderately to those things are good moderately means you're going to have to say no to some really good things like a lot of times we could be like Martha carried about perplexed with so many things of work and it could be a lot of unintentional work or unintentional consumption 
whether it's just all these new learnings that are good of themselves, they're not bad, but is there something better? And the work that we're doing, it may not be bad, the commitments we have, the responsibilities we have, they may not be bad, but is it, is it, is it the best? Is it what God is calling you right now? Is it just in time? Is it intentional uh, work? Is it, uh, did you want to say something? I was just going to say, it's kind of like um, Elijah's call to service. It's not like the things that he was doing before were bad. I mean, he was working, he was, um, and, but, but if he would have continued just working and working in those things which are good, he would have missed out on a huge blessing. Yeah, and a little backstory for those who are not familiar with the story. Elijah was working in the field. He was working at his family uh, business on the farm. And then the prophet Elijah came and he placed his mantle upon him and, and started walking. And Elisha was saying, and he recognized the call to service. He recognized the opportunity to serve in the future, to relocate, to travel, to, to dedicate his talents to Christ's service. And in that opportunity, he was faced with a decision. He's like, oh, and he, he went to Elijah and he said, hey, can I go back and bid my family kiss my father goodbye? And Elijah's like, yeah, what is it to, to, to me? It's like, go ahead. But he, he discerned that he was basically saying, like, the opportunity is going to be gone and Elijah is going to keep going and he may lose that opportunity. And many are called, few are chosen because few respond to that calling. So what did Elisha do at that time? He counted the costs. And he saw his family. And just like we saw in Luke 14, if we hate not our brother, our mother, our sister, our, our family, then we cannot be Christ's disciples in verse 26. So he's like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice my family because the cause of God is more priority. He took his plow that he was plowing the field. He, he broke his plow, burned it, slayed the oxen, and sacrificed to the Lord. And then he followed Elijah. And you see that counting the cost was a decision and that was a man of principle that was a man of priority he staked first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and that allowed him to already make that decision in a moment but the wavering and indecision causes more perplexity to the cause of god than sometimes making a hastily decision too quickly it's it's more excusable to make a decision than to constantly be wavering and because a, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, as James 1 says. Yes? And, and uh, he, he made it to where he couldn't go back by burning that so that he wasn't wavering. He's like, this is my decision. I'm not going to let anything tempt me. And That's he right. got rid of it. That's right. You know, what's interesting also was is that um, Elisha was met while he was in the field of labor. Mm-hmm. But he was doing the work that he had been called to do at that time, and then he was given a greater opportunity mm -hmm. to use the same principles of plowing that he had learned, because if any man put his hand to the plow and turned back, he's not fit to be a disciple. And, and he, that same principle, when you plow, you have to keep looking forward, otherwise your rows are going to be crooked, and, and you know, you, you know, you're not going to have um, a good rows and good fields because of that. It'll have confusion in them. And so, but that same principle he used in his decision-making process. Yes. And then he was able to use those higher principles that things that he was doing naturally were blended in his spiritual work. Mm -hmm. So he was able to be... His, his life, life work. work. Yes. 
his life work had both the natural and the spiritual combined in them. And so the the things that he had learned, so he what he lost was actually gain. And he ended up gaining uh, a nation and, 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 and leadership and all these other things he was able to do because he accepted the opportunity when it came. Yeah. You know, so. That's it's so, so true. true. And with that, putting the hand to the plow, looking not, no man that looks back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. That principle of looking back, it can be applied to regret, indecision, indecision. When you make a decision based on your priorities and values and the calling, the current knowledge and information you have of God's will for your life, when you make that decision, it's important to not constantly look back and regret and waver and go back and forth. You put your hand to the plow, you've committed, and you don't have to wonder, what if I did this? Or what if I... And it is tormenting because it's this regret in the past or worry in the future. Make the decision now and uh, you can free yourself from worry for forever. When you're thinking like that, you can't go back and change it anyway. That's right. right. So it's double trouble. And Are you going to write something better up there? Oh, yeah. I can, I can write something better. Thank you. Yeah, so this principle of something better, um, we, it's important to know that decisions are progressive. And a lot of times we're trying to like wait till we make the perfect decision. And we feel like this one decision is going to make the huge difference. But decisions, like there's, they're incremental in many cases. And, um, and at any time, we can, we can pivot, we can make slight adjustments. You can do it's easier to make course corrections to a vehicle that's moving than one that's standing still. So that, that's uh, John chapter 12 and verse 35. It says to uh, walk in the lights as yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the lights, lest darkness come upon you. So... Um, how long is the light with us? A little, a little while. And God wants us to, to walk. So He gives us sufficient evidence upon which to base our faith and our decisions. And as we walk, greater light comes, something better appears, and you make a decision based on higher consequences. And you do the best you can with what you have and trust God with the rest. This is being faithful in that which is least. And... Um, I want to I take a step back to kind of recognize again with the individuality that um, what, what, what uh, Tina was talking about is um, Jesus talked about, um, can we go to uh, Mark, no, Matthew 6.21? Matthew 6.21. We're going to see a principle of finding our identity and really understanding more about who you are and how to prioritize for you. And this is a little different for each of us. This is why it's so important. Matthew 6, 21. Who would like to read this for us? Okay. Thank you. It says, For where your treasure is, 
there will your heart be also. Okay, good. I'm going to um, I'm gonna ask to hold off on some questions because I want to end on time and I want to share some things. Um, Jesus is saying, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So in other words, what you value, your heart. Your, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your focus, your thoughts, your attention, your priorities, are, you're going to prioritize what you value. You will find time for what you make time for. And God is encouraging us here to store our treasures in heaven, to value things in light of eternity and not look short-sighted. A lot of times we, we give up like long-term uh, like, va- um, blessings for short-term gain. We're willing to sacrifice on the long-term and greater consequences for little to no value, immediate satisfaction. But those who learn to delay gratification for greater blessings in the future will always uh, find that when they prioritize the future before than just with the immediate satisfaction or the pleasures of sin for a season or even the pleasures of good thing for a season that are of smaller consequence, those who are willing to be patient uh, uh, get much further. But a lot of this has to do with understanding what are um, your, your core values. What do you value? What, is, what do you treasure? What matters most to you? What's important to you? It's going to be different for each of us. And when you look at your values, this was a, an extremely enlightening experience that I went through when I, I made a list. Of, and this was a lot of uh, what our LifeCast was on uh, this last month in our monthly uh, coaching program where we looked at what do you value? And when I started doing this, I began to take inventory of my life and who I am. And I realized, you know, I value leadership development. Leadership development is important to me because this has transformed my life. And what that means to me is I want to give others the opportunities that I wish I had when I was in their situation. Why? Because I'm extremely grateful for the great opportunities I've had, which makes me want to do to others what has been done to me. That's what Matthew seven twelve says. So I value leadership development. So when it comes to decisions, if it's going to develop other leaders, I will prioritize that above most other anything else. This here today, this weekly commitment to have this leadership table, it's a lot for me, but I value it. I value you. I value people and, and I want to see you grow. And I am willing to make this sacrifice, the consequence, looking at the things that I could do. I'm committing to you because I believe in what God can do through you, that God has set before you a path of infinite development in Christ Jesus. And I want to see you reach the highest heights in Christ that you can for His glory. And so this is something I value and it helps me to make decisions. If there's another opportunity to do something that competes with this time, I'm, I'm going to say no because this is a priority. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Another thing that I value is I value communication. My mother is an extremely um, verbal communicator. I did not grow up in a home of a lot of indirect communication. And also I, I, uh, I found my joy and passion for teaching when I was teaching math and I started teaching the gospel. And I realized the best way to learn is to teach. So I'm like, anything I want to learn, I need to communicate to others. I learned the law of imparting 
and it fundamentally shifted my life. Because I understand the information of the law of imparting, where Luke 6.38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. What's going on? What am I doing here? Why am I talking about how to prioritize your focus in life? You know what my number one priority in life is right now? Learning on communication skills. How to prioritize my focus in life. Good. <laughs> that is my number one priority. I realize I am weak in prioritizing in the sense of I'm not where I want to be. And therefore, in order for me to get better at understanding and mastering the skill of prioritization, because it is a skill we can learn. I wasn't, like when was the last time you went to school and they taught you a class on prioritizing and making decisions? They, do that. they don't do that. Why don't they do that? This is a basic skill of life. This is at the foundation of succeeding in anything that you do for your life work. Why aren't they preparing you? Yeah, it's, yeah, the school is, is developing workers, not leaders. So this is my desire, and I know in order for me to learn this, the best way for me to learn is to teach you, to, to communicate with others. So when I'm looking at, there's a thousand different topics I could choose today. How do I prioritize my opportunities? I'm looking like, what do I want to learn? Or what are the people struggling with? What do the people need the most? What one thing can I teach such that by teaching would make everything else easier and necessary for you? And I realize prioritizing your focus in life is the one thing that you can do in life that's going to have the greatest consequences for your life work. That's 80-20. Yeah, so this is knowing what I value helps me to... Um, helps me to make decisions. So my comfort zone, I value growth and progress. And that requires, if it doesn't challenge you, it will never change you. We need to step out of our comfort zone and our comfort zone gets bigger. That's a value that I, like in taking inventory, I realize this is what matters a lot to me. So do I value giving people opportunities that stretch them a little bit, makes them a little uncomfortable? Why? Because when they do, they grow. And it's a greater blessing to them. So, um, if there is something that is going to cause me to stay in my comfort zone where there's no growth, it's all the mundane same stuff, and it may be a strength that I have that's super comfortable for me, but it doesn't challenge me, am I going, like, you know, actually along these lines, when I had opportunities to, I, like I was living with mom doing, like, started ministry in the living room, recording videos on my little cell phone, um, reaching thousands of people with that little like thing. Um, and then I was there for two years, but then I had an opportunity to move into the church and be a Bible worker. What helped me to make that decision? It's my value for growth and stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm like, where can I grow more? All right, I'll go. So I, I didn't think. I made a decision quickly. It was just like, it wasn't a, lot, a long process. That first night, I was sleeping under on concrete under the uh, the fellowship table in the fellowship hall because they didn't have a bed prepared for me but I'm like I'm there I'm ready I was 18 I'm ready to go and then the next morning we cleaned out a closet and that's where we put my bed and, and that became my bedroom for a year and a half so then when I was there for two years I helped the church grow um, and we grew from like three people to like 40 people 50 people a week and 
then it, there, was a, there was this lid to our growth because there's only so much I could do without the involvement as much as the leaders. Like they supported what I was doing, but they didn't want to actively get involved with their time or priority to help follow up with context or, or help grow the church. So I'm like, oh man, what's going on here? So then there was an opportunity to go uh, move away two hours to start a missionary training school to teach people how to work for God and to depend on Him. And so when I made that decision, my heart, my, my service, my efforts, my labors, my contacts, my friends, they're all right here in this church. How did I make that decision to go two hours to start something from scratch, to work with someone who um, I didn't work with as much? It was The question is, where can I grow the most? And when I really look at each decision of moving where I relocated, one of, not the only, but one of the greatest motivating factors for me was where can I grow the most? And that was something I valued. That's something I prioritize. It's my priority. So that's what helps me to make that decision. Does that make sense? So I don't say this so that you could adopt my priorities, although I, I believe they'd be helpful, but getting to know what are your priorities. And if we have overlap, what I want to do is I want to find people who value similar stuff. And if you value similar things that I do, I think we can work together. I think we can work really well together. I think we can be on a mission to help every young person identify their unique talents and dedicate them to Lord's service. And as we are in harmony, as we, when we're talking about prioritizing our friends and the people we spend time with, who are we, um, do we have the same values? And if we don't have the same values, then naturally we start to distance and spend less and less time. The priority of our relationship grows because we're not in harmony with each other, harmony with the relationships. So can two walk together except they be agreed? That's Amos 3.3. So my point is, if you could really take inventory of your life, look at major events, turning points, experiences, and examine your life and think what are the types of things that uh, you value, these principles, and um, how, can you, how can you, in light of your priorities, how can you create your priorities based on that? It will help you to know how to focus your life. And in this effort to um, create this, to know how to prioritize our focus, we created the account book, this Live Your Calling daily account book. And in this account book, we have uh, put together a system based on Scripture to help us to identify what are our priorities, to take inventory of who we are in Christ, what matters most, and to stay true to our commitments, to visually see what we have committed to in our life so we're not saying yes to everything and distracting ourselves all over. By, I have learned that the one thing that I could do each day, such as by doing makes everything else easier necessary, is to fill out my daily account book every single day. And the days that I miss this are the days that my priorities are off whack and my schedule is thrown off, my, my clarity is missing, my direction is confused. But the days that I'm really faithful and using the daily account book, I have a clear sense of direction and understanding of what is my calling for this day. How can I use my moment today to make the biggest difference work to my life work? And this is what I've used as a tool to help prioritize my focus in life that encapsulates much of these decisions and uh, things that we've done here. Um, and so my question is like, what do you value? And what you value, you'll find time for. So hopefully this is 
helped us to understand our priorities. Um, if you want to get a copy of your Live Your Calling Daily Account Book, all you got to do is go to thearmyofyouth.com forward slash account book, no space, thearmyofyouth.com forward slash account book, and you can order your copy today. Uh, they, they will ship anywhere um, in the world, but um, if it's your desire to know how to prioritize your focus in life and to really make decisions based on higher consequences, to count the cost as Christ had encouraged us, and to be temperate in the good things and saying no to those things that are causing you great harm, then I invite you to uh, close with me with a word of prayer. Dear Father in Heaven, thank you very much for showing us and revealing to us the things that, uh, how to prioritize our focus in life, how to know uh, more of your, your calling, your direction in each of our lives. Father, I pray that you will be with those under the sound of my voice. Give them wisdom beyond their natural ability. Give them purpose. Give them decision, resolve, and intention that they could be surrendered and sanctified by your spirits and, and surrendered to your will. Father, I pray that you will bless their efforts and help us to manage our priorities for your glory so that we can prioritize the things you prioritize for us. And uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you like this video, I encourage you to hit like and comment below. What was the major takeaway that you got from this video? I love to hear your insights. Uh, they help me tremendously in future videos. And let me know what question do you still have regarding how to prioritize your focus in life because we will likely do a video helping to answer your unique question. So let me know in the comments and um, subscribe for more videos um, and messages like this. Thank you so much for watching. And remember that leadership is the skill of influence, nothing more, nothing less. Every man, woman, and child has influence. But the question is, are we using that influence to lead others to Christ?